All right, well, welcome to The Hammer Factor. On this episode, we have none other than Aaron Saft, who is a USA track and field trail marathon national champion, second place finisher at the grueling Grindstone 100 Ultra Marathon, and owner of Foot RX here in Asheville, North Carolina. Thanks for joining us here on The Hammer Factor, and welcome to the hot seat, Aaron. Hey, thanks for having me, John. All right, well, let's start off. Give us a, give, give our listeners something that most people probably don't know about you. Uh, let's see. I, at one time, was a professional disc golfer. <laughs> yes. How does that happen? <laughs> yeah, so when uh, I got injured one year uh, in college when I was racing, I broke my, um, my right elbow, and um, I couldn't run. And so um, my friends took me out disc golfing uh i learned to play lefty and um and then it just kind of stuck with me and when my wife went to medical school i i got heavily into it and moved up through the ranks until eventually i was playing pro um i you know developed my right arm (laughs) and uh played pro for a while but you know of course um i i you know always ran but uh yeah disc golf i've got uh uh, what do I have? About twelve baskets at my house, and I think I have twenty-four holes. Um, <laughs> so it's a it was a deal that my wife and I made. If she went to medical school, I would have a frisbee golf course when we got a house. <laughs> I like that. So, what does that mean to be pro? Does that mean that you're like paid by a team, or you have sponsors, or how do you become a pro? It's the level you play at. Um, so um, you know they have um, novice. Um, amateur advanced, uh, advanced is the last amateur status you can have before you turn pro. Um, and, uh, so it's just categories and, and in essence what you win. So, um, amateurs, they're not allowed to accept cash, um, obviously in, in any sport. So, uh, they page out in merchandise. So you got, you know, discs and, uh, and bags and, and skits and stuff. And then when you go pro, you play for cash, nice. uh, which, um, I can't say I won much of, so <laughs> I could say I played pro, but I didn't really, I didn't really make a much money at it. So I, uh, I went and uh, made sure that I continued running. <laughs> well, well, let's start early on before you went to college, uh, which you were all ACC ran on the track team there at North Carolina state before owning a running store before having a family. What was Aaron like as a kid? What, where, where'd you grow up and what kind of what, what were you into as a youth? Um, I grew up in Middletown, New York. That was the original home of Frank Shorter, um, the uh, 1972 Olympic gold medalist. Um, I was, um, I would say, into just anything that got me outside. Um, I, I loved playing with my friends. We played wiffle ball. Uh, we were into rollerblading and skateboarding. Um, you know, I mean, I was the typical. I grew up in, you know, kind of a city environment, so... Uh, mom used to call us in when it got dark and we'd go inside and have dinner. Um, but you know, anytime I could, I was outside with my friends, you know, doing something hacky sacking or whatever it may be. Uh, I just liked hanging out, you know, um, I got into running in eighth grade, um, through, uh, cross country. So I did cross country starting in eighth grade, which was, uh, 1990 for me. So, um, this will be 29 years of running this year for me. Um, and I, I was, I was pretty reserved. Uh, my friends liked to party and stuff like that. I didn't, <laughs> I was, uh, I was pretty quiet and I like to, 
just you know chill and uh we usually raced on saturday so friday nights were pretty quiet for me and um saturday nights i'd you know i'd hang out with my girlfriend or something but uh like i said i wasn't much of a partier or anything like that yeah so you were just always into playing outside yeah i always loved the outside my dad um a lot of uh, climbers know um, where, where I grew up with my dad. Um, it was uh, Cragsmore. They call them the Crags up in uh, by New Paltz. Um, so I grew up in that area. Um, so we had some tremendous trails up up on the ridges there. Uh, so that's that's the area I grew up in. That was my playground. Uh, that's where my you know passion for trails grew from. Uh, we weren't far from Bear Mountain. Um, a lot of people know Bear Mountain from the, the North Face series. They run up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we ran there all the time. Uh, AT goes right through there. So, you know, I, I kind of grew up in the, uh, the, the that area of, of New York. Well, at some point you went down the path. You said you got into running in eighth grade and it kind of took over. Um, were you on that journey alone? Did you have a mentor during that time? Or how, how did your running kind of evolve from that eighth grade period? Sure. Um, I'd say um, it really, um, I found a mentor in, in ninth grade through my cross-country coach. Uh, his name was Martin Harnick. He was a, a fantastic uh, role model, um, inspiration coach. Um, really someone I looked up to and, um, and, and enjoyed, you know, my time with, I learned a lot from, um, really shared his passion for running, um, and not just, you know, through seeing success, but just, you know, through the joy of the sport, um, and, and really, uh, where it could take you and what you could do with it. Um, you know, the experiences you can gain, um, and just the, you know, the, uh, the joy that it brings, the happiness that you feel just for being free and, and able to move on your own two feet for whatever the distance may take you. Um, so he, um, he was my cross country coach only, um, in, uh, indoor and outdoor track. I was, I was pretty much self-coached. Um, I, I coached the distance guys through high school, but, um, yeah, in, you know, he was very, um, uh, inspirational and, um, kind of those formative years of, of my running. Um, College, um, my coach was uh, Raleigh Geiger at NC State, which you mentioned, um, who was a um, um, very um, experienced uh, coach and, and has coached many, many All-Americans and um, had you know the most success at, at NC State um, through his um, um, ACC championships. Uh, our team was third at NCAAs my final year. Uh, my wife's team was second at NCAAs her final year. So um, you know, he's, he's been a very successful coach. So that's, that's who gave me my guidance through, through my collegiate years. Um, and then post-collegiately I've had, I've had many different coaches and, and really enjoyed learning from a variety of coaches through, um, you know, I've, I've done everything from road running to cross country. Um, uh, you know, I've obviously done a lot of trail running and moved into ultra running, um, never done a obstacle course race, but, um, that's, <laughs> that's something I, I hope to, to do at some point to, to, you know, uh, learn that facet of, of our sport. Um, I just, I really enjoy every aspect of running, um, you know, from, from track to, um, to, you know, to ultra marathoning. So, I mean, I've, I've trained for the mile on up to the hundred mile. So it's, it's been a, you know, long and, and varied career, but really enjoyed every part of it. So a lot, of, a big trend with a lot of the athletes and and people that we've interviewed on this show is that they had a mentor and someone who kind of steered them in a certain direction and, like you say, inspired them. 
from your experience, how important is a mentor? What, what does a mentor really mean? I would agree with that. Um, you know, as I talked about, um, I always called him Mr. Harnick. He tells me to call him Marty now, but it just doesn't feel right. So I'll say Coach Harnick. Um, you know, he, uh, he's somebody that I've, I've always been able to communicate with um, throughout my life. Um, you know, it, it didn't stop in high school. I always, um, he was my confidant and in college, you know, when I, when I wanted to talk to, uh, to, to somebody about running and, um, you know, the experiences I, I went through, um, and, uh, you know, just having that shoulder, that, that, that ear to listen, um, and bounce ideas off of and, and hear your, you know, your ideas and your perspective and, um, to hear their, uh, you know, their response and, and their ideas. It's, you know, I think it's, it's vital um, to any, you know, to any person in any aspect of life um, is, you know, that to have that mentor. Um, it's just one more uh, brain, one more ear to give you perspective. Whereas, you know, you may be looking at it through uh, one lens, but they uh, they may show you another side of it, and uh, and that may change your your view, um, which you know has happened many times in my life. Um, I have to remember that, you know, my, my perspective may not always be the right one. Yeah. I like that. It, you get it, you get a different view and they can open up your vision to what's really possible. Right. So you went through this period of prep in high school and then on to college, your team won a national championship. So I believe that third, yeah, third, 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 yeah. third in the nation. And at some point, you transitioned into the longer distances, the ultra marathon status, the fifty miler, the hundred miler. What? Tell me about that trend. What drew you to that? What motivated you to want to run for twenty hours? Yeah. Um, so it took a long time for me. Um, it's interesting to watch trends these days as uh, we see these younger athletes that step out of college and. Potentially, they're still in college and, and even younger in doing ultra marathons. Um, I didn't do ultra marathons until I was in my late 30s. Um, I, you know, um, in my um, post collegiate day, ultra marathons weren't what they are today. The sports really changed, um, and you know, to see what what's going on now in the sport, it's exciting. You know, we have such um, young and, and fast runners in our sport, whereas you know, back in the day. Um, I didn't think about doing an ultra. Um, I crewed and, and paced and, and helped others. Um, but it wasn't something that, you know, I had really envisioned myself getting into. Um, and, uh, it, you know, when I first got out of college, it was the marathon. That was the, the big thing, uh, running the marathon and, and seeing if I could, you know, get an Olympic qualifier, um, which, you know, I, I took a few stabs at, um, even on in track, um, I tried uh, in the steeplechase, um, and uh, and then in the marathon, um, didn't have any success in, in qualifying, um, and um, kind of looked for that that next. Uh, what's next? You know what what can I what can I do next that you know makes me intrigued and and you know wonder if if I have the ability to do, and that's where ultra marathoning came in. Um, I, you know, I had run what I thought I could run in the marathon. Um, not that I don't want to run other marathons, but you know, it came to the point where I was like, okay, I, you know, I want to continue my career in running. And so what, what can I do to, to keep me moving, keep me interested, you know, keep those goals coming. 
Um, and that's, that's where, um, I stepped into, um, a 50 K, uh, and I believe that was 2008 around my first 50 K. Um, and, uh, you know, that was, um, it, it was, <laughs> it was interesting stepping past that marathon distance uh, and, and being like, wow, that was, you know, that was furthest I've ever gone. And every step thereafter was even further. And so, you know, getting to 31 miles and finishing, I was like, okay, that's, you know, that's, that's, you know, the next step. That's pretty cool. And then it took me a few more years before I even moved up to the, the 50 mile. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was, uh, <laughs> it was the B series that really got me into the, the longer distances. Um, I, I, the B series for those that don't, that don't know is, uh, six races, um, in, uh, Virginia in the kind of, um, the kind of, Lynchburg, uh, Roanoke, that corridor of Virginia. Um, there's uh, three 50Ks in the spring, and then the fall is the uh, Grindstone 100, followed by the Mount Masochist 50 mile and the um, Hellgate 100K, um, which goes October, November, December. Um, it's a really tough finish to a year. Um, I threw in a, a you know handful of ultras uh, besides that, that that year, so it was a really big year for me. Um, and it was really, what year the was that 2016, 2016. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that was, that was a big year. Um, I did quite a few 50 miles, uh, did 125 K to just kind of know what, you know, going beyond 50 miles would feel like, uh, cause I had not gone beyond that to that point. And I knew, you know, grindstone was coming. So I was a little intimidated by a hundred mile. Um, you know, once again, my background, I was a, I was a miler and steeplechaser in, in college. So, uh, 100 miles was it was a significant jump for me. So, um, you know, doing the 125k that was the Canadian Death Race up in uh, uh, Alberta, Canada. Uh, it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. I uh, really enjoyed that race, and and you know, I, I I found I could I could go all day, and you know, and and not die. <laughs> Thankfully, um, so um, so yeah, that was that was my 100 mile experience, my first one. Um, I've had. Um, Four opportunities since then, uh, three of which I finished. The only one I hadn't finished was Pinhoti, where I hurt my knee, um, and that was in 2017. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a you know a big learning curve. Uh, I've learned tremendous amount about how to fuel the body, uh, pacing, um, you know what what it means to have a crew, what it means to have a pacer. <laughs> um, all of these things are you know they're 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 vital to to finishing a hundred mile and. Now my next big adventure will be uh, Ultra Trail Mont Blanc, which is uh, 100 mile or 104 mile circumnavigation of Mont Blanc in the, the French Alps, um, where we'll run through uh, Switzerland, Italy, and back into France. Uh, that's this uh, this coming summer. So really excited about the opportunity. Um, it's a totally different style. We, we're not allowed to have pacers at this race since the race is so large. Um, it's 2,500 runners, much larger than any other ultra we have here in the United States. Um, so it's, it should be interesting. Um, we're, my family's coming, so we're all really excited for this, this new adventure. Well, I want to, I want to dig into that a little more here in a second, but what advice you were mentioning there a second ago for our listeners, how, what are some, what are some 
what are some key advice, some key points that you can offer to someone who does want to go past that marathon distance, that does want to get into some longer races? If you had to give just a couple little, you know, obviously there's so much that goes into it. There's so many hours. There's there's a lot of things. But if you had to pick one or two things, what do you think the most important thing someone someone can do to get ready for that distance? Um, so I, I don't want everybody to think that there's a huge jump in, in mileage that's needed for, for, you know, taking on a 50 K or even a 50 mile. Um, you can train for those just like you do a marathon, perhaps your long run may be a little bit longer, but, um, I, it's more the consistency, um, and staying consistent as is everything in our sport. Um, if you have the consistency, then, uh, you, you know, you'll be able to reach your goal. Um, you just have to put in the time, like you said, and, and be willing to, to be out there, uh, you know, um, four or five days a week, um, to, to, you know, to make that goal a reality. Um, it's also learning, um, uh, fueling, uh, again, you know, we, um, we're, we're going to be on our feet a longer time, uh, in trail racing. It takes a lot longer than road running, um, even on the marathon, um, just because of, you know, you slow down on the trail. So being on your feet longer, you've got to learn to, to fuel yourself better, um, and, and take in calories and, and learn what works best for you. Um, so far as, as the, that fueling strategy, um, whether it comes from liquid, you know, are you getting your calories through your liquid or, um, you know, are you, are you using, um, gels or, um, or real food, you know, whatever it may be, uh, what works for you in your stomach. And, you know, how many calories can you tolerate within uh, an hour? Yeah. And so that's so key over the course of running an entire day is to, is to get that calorie intake. Right. So, ju- so basically just get the miles in, get, get out there and do your thing as much as you can, as many days a week as you can and practice eating. Mm-hmm. Would those be the <laughs> takeaways? Yes. I like that. So you've had some obvious big moments in your career. Um, before we get into that, Take us to the lowest moment. What was the most trying time when you're like, you know what? I've done my time with running. I'm not sure I'm into it anymore. Maybe this isn't for me. Is there any 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 low points in there that really stick out? Sure. Um, my last year of college um, was probably my most frustrating. Indoor track, I, uh, I had placed second in the mile the year previous. And... Um, I, I should say um, I was in grad school my final year, and um, the stresses of grad school kind of taxed me a bit more than I was used to. Um, and going into the mile in uh, indoor track, uh, it was a big week for me, too stressful for, for the week of ACCs. And um, I had an awful qualifying round, and I, I stepped outside, and um, I hit the, the wall and broke my hand. Um, and... Uh, and so I had a, a fracture in my hand, and my coach made me keep competing during the ACC championships, deservedly so. And so, uh, you know, my, my indoor track season was, was a little bit frustrating. It didn't go the way I wanted. So when outdoor came, I wanted to put everything I had into uh, the steeplechase. It was an Olympic trials year. Um, and so I got to my um, final steeplechase to qualify for nationals, and I hit my knee. Um, I suffered a contusion and I couldn't stand up. I had 300 meters to go and I was well under the Olympic trial qualifying time. Um, and so, um, it kind of buried me. Um, it was really, really tough mentally to know that I had the Olympic trial qualifier 300 meters away from me and I couldn't stand up to, to finish it. 
mentally it was a real low point obviously physically uh, I was I was hurt so um that was pretty much we tried one more time I tried to take a cortisone shot in my knee to to let the knee work but it was I couldn't land on it I, you know I, I went I tried one more time and I, my knee buckled under me I just I couldn't take the weight um it was definitely a low point uh you know knowing I was so close um well I was there <laughs> um and uh so I needed time. I needed time to heal physically and mentally. So I took some time. I uh, I, I just stepped away for a little bit. We moved to, to Blacksburg, Virginia, for my wife to attend medical school. And uh, one day I, I looked you know in the mirror and uh, noticed my my cheeks were a bit rounder. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't see the uh, the gaunt Aaron that I'm used to. Uh, and and said you know it's 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 time to time to get back to running. Uh, and so that's when the marathoning started. Uh, I found a good friend and training partner in Jay Johns there in Blacksburg, Virginia, and got my butt back in shape and, and started, you know, working my way back and, and, and trying to, to qualify for the trials again. Um, so, but. so would you say it's fair to say that a takeaway from that is it's okay to take a little time. It's okay to, to step away and reevaluate when, when Absolutely. things aren't exactly going right. Absolutely. You have to make sure that your mind's in it. If you have a goal, um, you have to make sure that, you know, your mind and your body are behind you. Um, you know, it, it's, it, I mean, you know, there's some people that they want to do a race. Um, and I guess it all goes back to your why, like, you know, is your why strong enough to get you through that race? Do you want to just do it because everybody else wants to do it? Or do you really want to do it for your own reasons, your own personal reasons? Um, when you, you know, step to any line, you know, and you get to that dark moment, is your why strong enough to continue? Um, and that's, that's the important thing. Um, you know, I, like I, I always have a reason why, uh, when I, when I step to the line, I've, I've had a few times where I've tried to toe the line and my why wasn't there. It wasn't, there wasn't a real significant reason to do that race. And, and I, you know, I've had a hard time getting through or even training or, you know, getting up and going. Cause like, you know, there's just, I don't, I don't feel it. You know, it's not, there's not a burning desire. There's not a passion. There's nothing there that, you know, that lights me up to, to say, you know, let's, let's do this. Let's, you know, I, I feel like crap, let's, <laughs> but I still need to get out the door. You know, those times it's like, I feel like crap, I'm going to stay in bed. So, uh, you know, now it's, I, I got to make sure that there's something there. Um, and I, I, you know, if, if I had uh, a chance to tell that, that younger Aaron, the same thing, it, that would be great. You know, just, make sure there's a reason for, for doing what you're doing. Uh, you know, so just to recap that, I love that. If, if you're listening to this show, is your why strong enough? Be honest with yourself and, uh, take the necessary, necessary time to figure that out. That's a good one. Value bombs there. What about, uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum? Give me your, what, what are you most proud of? What, what, what would you say some that stands out as, as, as sort of the top of your career? Maybe it wasn't even a win. Maybe it was a, you know, an event, but what really sticks out? Um, it actually goes back to the, uh, the Canadian death race. Um, I finished second and, um, and it wasn't the finish. Uh, well in a way it was, um, my kids were there and, uh, they've, they've really never experienced an ultra to that point. They just saw dad, you know, waking up at 3 a.m. And, and going out and getting back at, you know, 9 a.m. to have breakfast with them. And they're like, how far did you go? You know, like they didn't understand why, you know, you know, daddy did what he was doing. 
So um, to have them there, they were crewing for me, and they got to witness the race and be a part of it and see what what exactly Dad does, and and cheer for me and and help me and you know resupply me. I had my little girl give me clean socks, and she was <laughs> she broke out wipes and was cleaning off my muddy shoes and. <laughs> Uh, there, you know, my, my, my son was handing me my pack and putting a new bladder in and, you know, it was just, it was neat to have them a part of it. And so when, uh, when I came into the finish and, and they ran in with me, uh, it was the first time it was a we, um, and, uh, I think that moment was, uh, was more than special, uh, you know, it's to, to allow them into my life and to let them see what it is that I do and why I do it. Uh, they understood, I think at that moment, you know, this is pretty awesome. And like they both run now. Uh, my son is beside himself that he's going to UTMB. Um, he's, uh, you know, my daughter, I think she, she understands, you know, this is a pretty special race. Um, I don't think they understand the magnitude of it, nor will they, or, really do I until we'll get there. I mean, it's kind of, uh, um, you know, it's a dream. Um, you know, we, I talked about the Olympic trials earlier. This is, this is another dream that, you know, I hope to realize. And I don't know if I really understand that dream until I step foot in, in French soil, um, <laughs> and see, you know, all these people lining streets and in villages. And I mean, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's the Boston marathon of, of, uh, of ultra running, if you will. Oh yeah. So there's one thing to be an athlete, and then there's another thing to be a dad athlete or a mom athlete. <laughs> yeah. Uh, give me some perspective into what that's like. You know, you say mm-hmm. you're getting up at three o'clock in the morning and whatnot. There's there's various things, and I can kind of you know speak of this from experience myself. Is that you you find a way and you find a kind of a deeper meaning in doing it. Describe to me how that feels to move from just being just an athlete for yourself and then having a family. Sure. You know. I felt selfish for a long time because it was all about me. Um, you know, it, it's I uh, I always wanted to to not make it selfish. Running, you know, going out there every day, um, making it errand time. Like, how did I? How do I not make it so that it affects my family? Um, and so, you know, I tried to step down from it. <laughs> Um, and make it less of a value in my life. And I realized that I, it was a part of me that I needed. Uh, I needed the competition. I needed the, 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 you know, the training. It's just, it's part of me. It's part of who I am. And so training has become fitting it in when it's not going to affect my family time. Um, you know, I, I value being with my kids and, and their time more so than anything. And so, um, I want to make sure that, you know, when I'm training, I have the time I need to get it in, but it's not going to affect my family time. So, um, and if it does, then, um, I'm going to be at least present on the treadmill or working out in the basement, whatever it may be. Um, I'll be home. So if they need me, I can step off the treadmill or I can step away from the, the weights or whatever. Um, you know, I, I, I just don't want it ever to affect being a dad. Um, they understand on the weekends if I need to go out and run, uh, and get in a long run and stuff like that. But I, like I said, I try to do it 
early so that I'm home. I can go to church. Um, I can go to a ball game, whatever it may be. I don't want to miss my kids, you know, their activities because, you know, I got to go run. Um, and then, you know, in my spare time, whatever that may be, whether it's early morning, late night, or, you know, when they're at school, whatever, it, whatever it is, um, that's, you know, when I can get that stuff in, but, you know, yep. I think that's a trend we found here on the hammer factor too, is you don't necessarily quit pursuing your passion. You just pursue it at odd hours. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> what about, uh, through your career running, it could be back as early on as when you just started, or it could be when you first finished that hundred miler. Were there any breakthrough moments where you got done with an event or a training session, or you're like, I have just made it to another level. I just had a breakthrough. Can you take sure. us there? Um, yeah, sure. So, um, you know, post collegiately, I was reading, a, I think it was running times at the time. And I saw this workout and I was like, you know, that that's a whole nother level. If I can, if I can achieve that workout, then, you know, I'm on track to do what I want to do. Um, it was, a, it was a huge workout, um, you know, more than what I thought I was capable of, especially at the paces it would have required of me. But when I nailed it, um, I was just like, okay, you know, I, I can, I got a shot, you know, I can, I can do this. Um, so that was, um, that was my first kind of, you know, step in the, in the right direction of, of where I wanted to go. Um, but, um, I would say, um, Chattanooga 100 was another one. Um, this, you know, just what a month, you know, just over a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I had, um, I had been learning a lot about the, you know, the ultras and, and hundred mile distance. And, um, I, you know, I think I finally put together a, a good 100. Um, you know, I, I dialed in nutrition. Um, I dialed in pacing. Um, I, you know, I had my, my mental game was there. Um, you know, every, every piece of it, uh, physically I was well-trained. Uh, it's just, you know, it all came together and culminated in, in, um, you know, a really, really good race, um, where, you know, I, I hit, I, I wanted to break 20 hours, which I did. Um, I wanted to be competitive, which I was, you know, I took second. Uh, so, I mean, that was, that was another one. Um, yeah, I mean, that was, yeah, that was a, that was a huge step for me. What, if you had to give someone some advice, particularly on why it all came together for this Chattanooga race, what would it be? Planning. Um, you know, uh, I think sometimes we look, you know, at, well, my training is going to be enough. Um, and we don't, we don't make plan B, C and D <laughs> for when stuff goes really wrong. Um, you know, what am I going to do if my legs start cramping? What am I going to do if I start getting a blister? What am I going to do if my food's not working? My stomach's going sour. You know, like what are, you know, what are my fallbacks? Um, you know, I need to have planned. Um, okay. So here's plan a, if everything is going right, this is what's going to happen, you know, and then plan B, you know, if, if something happens, my, you know, my food's not working. It's not sitting right with my stomach. What am I going to do? How am I going to, how am I going to cope? Um, yeah. So, I mean, just having those fallbacks, um, and, and creating not only, 
backup plans, but backup goals. Okay, so I'm not going to finish, you know, top three. What's my next goal? Okay, finishing sub 20. All right, so I'm not going to finish sub 20. <laughs> What's my goal? All right, just finish, you know, like to have fallbacks in that regard as well, but planning in, in every regard for every contingency that you can, um, you know, whether it be through your gear um, for any contingency of weather. Um, I, you know, when I did the Bighorn 100 this past summer, I was not prepared. Um, we had three hailstorms and, and rain and, and uh, you know, um, we, uh, we found out the day before I was not going to be able to see my crew at two of the points where I had originally planned them to be. And I didn't have a fallback. Uh, and it, it definitely crushed my race. Um, so, I mean, you know, planning for the, any contingency, you know, in UTMB, I don't know if I'm truly going to see them at the points that I'm hoping to see them. So, um, I'm going to plan ahead. Uh, you know, I'm going to plan for any contingency of weather. Um, you know, just having multiple kits, uh, so far as like a hot weather kit, a cold weather kit, a rain kit, uh, you know, like footwear as well. Uh, for Bighorn, I was not, I didn't have the, the footwear I really should have had. Um, and it's just poor planning on my part. Uh, so that, you know, I put that all on me oh, and I learned and that's, you know, when I, when I went to, um, Chattanooga, I had any piece of footwear I could have wanted. I had all sorts of gear, you know, I mean, I just, you know, I, I froze out there at, at Bighorn cause I just didn't have the right stuff and I was soaking wet. Um, so, you know, lesson learned, but hard way to learn. So, I mean, you know, if you can get ahead of it and plan for it, that's, that's the key. I like that. So to recap, if you're looking for that breakthrough moment, if you're looking to bust out, sometimes it's as simple as just planning. Exactly. Yeah. Very good. So let's talk about your career as an athlete. And I know that you have some sponsors for yourself outside of your store, which we'll talk about uh, the store here in just a little bit. What are the struggles and um, rewards of having sponsors and how do you get sponsors? Um, so to, I mean, to answer your question, to get, to get sponsors, you have to apply, right? So, um, usually the application season is towards the end of the year. You start looking in September and October, um, at the companies you're interested in, um, and, and putting in applications. And usually if you look at their website, they have a way to do so. Um, and, um, basically you have to create a resume, um, for, you know, what you've done, um, what your experience has been and, uh, what your future, uh, you know, racing season looks like or competition season looks like. Um, and, uh, and they're want to know about your, your social media handles, how many followers you have, all that sort of stuff, which, you know, uh, when you talk about struggles, that's one of mine. I'm not a big social media guy. Uh, I don't like the hashtag, uh, you know, don't ask me to, uh, cause like I rarely post. And when I do, I don't put hashtags, uh, you know, so, um, you know, it's, uh, I, um, I'll probably, you know, put a few hashtags, but I, you know, I, I I'm not I, like, that's the thing is I'm not a huge social promotion person um you know i put my stuff up on strava and that's kind of you know the max that you'll you'll see out of me but um so um the um you know the the good things you know is that you have a, a good relationship you know and and i understand that social media is a part of that and putting them out there and um that's where the you know the store ties in for me 
um, I feel that like having the store and um, supporting the brand through the store uh, kind of supplements the fact that I'm not going to post every day and hashtag, you know, everything um, longer than what my post actually is. Um, so um, it's uh, I, I love supporting the brands um, that support me. Um, you know, they 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 really do. Um, I've had a, a long-standing relationship with Innovate. Um, which uh, has just come to an end. Um, I'll be moving on this year to a different company, which is uh, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, things they change and they always do, uh, and that's you know you kind of have to roll with the punches. Um, and, I, and like I said, I certainly appreciate everything Innovate ever did for me. Um, but you know, we'll be we'll be moving on this year and 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 you know doing new things. So it's cool. Can you offer us any glimpse into what that new thing is? Um, so I've been talking with Hoka. Um, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm working through them. Um, they've got a, um, kind of, it's interesting. Um, they call it their flyer program and their flyer program. Um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a lot of gear, uh, which is, is awesome. Everything helps, um, with the, uh, the hope, uh, I've, we've already discussed, you know, potentially moving on to contractual, um, kind of elite runner status, um, but you know, we'll, we'll see how this year goes. Um, I, I want to make sure that, you know, I, uh, perform as well. Um, you know, I, I, I take that upon myself that, you know, if I don't perform, I, I don't deserve, you know, sponsorship and, and such. So, um, you know, performance is a big part of it for me. Um, so, so yeah, I'd be working with Hoka. Um, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I've, I've kind of dialed back, um, my, my sponsorships, um, because I've just kind of taken new directions. I, I had nutritional sponsors, but, um, I've, you know, since, um, kind of learned that, um, you know, I've, 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 I've kind of not gone the nutritional route that I traditionally have. Uh, so, um, I've been using baby food. <laughs> um, I've, you know, the real food has, has kind of been more beneficial to me. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I don't feel right having, uh, nutritional sponsors where, you know, I'm not using them as frequently or, or, you know, as, as much as I should be. So, um, I've moved away from that. Um, I've had some, um, sponsors with ultimate directions as well. And, um, you know, I've, I've kind of, um, I've not gone there as well. I just kind of, uh, I've been using a lot of different products, you know, um, so I didn't want to be tied down in that regard. Um, so, uh, you know, it's kind of why I've stuck with Hoka because I like their footwear. It's been working for me. Um, I, you know, I kind of transitioned into them, um, about midway through last year. Um, and, uh, and I've really enjoyed running, you know, in their shoes. Uh, so yeah, I just didn't want to get tied down, you know, with a sponsor and then not be able to use something that might be more beneficial to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with a big year like this, um, I've got the Mount Mitchell challenge coming up. Um, and then, uh, Georgia death race, um, followed by the cruel jewel 100 miler and then, uh, UTMB. Um, so, you know, I want to make sure that what gear I use is, is right for me and right for my needs and not just, you know, uh, because uh, I'm trying to, um, use my sponsor's gear. Um, so, you know, I wanted to make sure I had stuff I believed in and, and, and wanted to use as well. One of the most interesting things we cover here on the Hammer Factor 
that I find so much variation in different athletes and different sports and whatnot is diet. And you touched on it just a little bit, the things you're eating while you're running versus what you used to do. What, where, where does, tell me a little bit about your diet. Do you have any particular trends or oddities or anything you'd like to share? Yeah. So, um, interestingly enough, um, just over a year ago, I learned that I am, uh, I have a wheat allergy. Um, not necessarily intolerance. Um, mine manifests itself over time. Uh, I get strictures in my throat, uh, in my esophagus due to an allergy. So, um, I, you know, I, I have eliminated wheat from my diet. Um, so, um, it, uh, it's, it's, it, it's taken me some time to find uh, food that I can use. Um, but, uh, it's really helped, uh, in, you know, and how I feel and how I'm running. And, and, uh, so yeah, so I've eliminated wheat. Um, I've, um, I've always traditionally not done too much dairy. Um, I may use some butter, but, um, I really don't use much dairy product in my, uh, my life. Um, I've really restricted the amount of sugar, uh, that I intake. Uh, I'm trying to cut my weight back a little bit, uh, which, you know, obviously cutting sugar, um, and, uh, uh, unnecessary carbs, uh, really helps. So, um, I'd like to get down, uh, near 150. I kind of range right now between 156 to 160, uh, just depending on how much I'm running. Um, so, um, like I said, I, you know, by UTMB, I want to kind of be down close, not necessarily at 150, but, but close to 150. So it's about a pound a month. So. I think that's, you know, a healthy way to, to come down. Um, so yeah, um, I don't drink much. Um, I'm not a big, um, alcohol drinker. Um, mostly my son looked at me one day and said, you know, I, uh, I really idolize athletes that, that don't drink alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) What does that tell you? Uh, So, uh, you know, him, he always has looked up to me and I, you know, um, I, I, I kind of took it upon myself to, uh, to, to Nick's drinking, I, you know, uh, every now and again, I'll have a drink, but, uh, for the most part, I, I've eliminated alcohol as well. Um, but you know, as I said, he means the world to me. So that's a, a little, little sacrifice for, uh, for my big man. So very cool. And then like during a race, what, what's your go-to, what's your go-to calorie source when you're, when you're out there for 20 hours? Yeah, the as I said, the baby food. Um, I think it's called Happy Baby. <laughs> um, it's a uh, organic baby food. Um, it's uh, it's um, it's got uh, about a hundred calories a packet, which is nice because you can they're resealable, so you don't have to eat the whole thing if you don't want to. But I usually eat them down pretty easy. Um, I use um, Goo Roctane um, for uh, liquid fuel. It's got calories in it as well. So it's electrolyte and calories. Uh, it's about uh, 200 calories per bottle. Um, usually try to get down a bottle per hour, and then uh, you know probably one, maybe two baby foods. Um, when I'm in the hundred, getting late in the miles, uh, probably about every 25 to 35 minutes, I'm eating a baby food, and um, I'll get a bottle down every hour still. Um, so I'm definitely eating a little more frequently towards the end. And then um, the aid stations usually have a lot of um, uh, foods and such. Um, I, I like potatoes and salt. Um, uh, they have avocados. Um, I love avocados. Um, I do, uh, 
chicken and rice soup um, and bacon. <laughs> um, I had a lot of that uh, for my crew. I love uh, bacon too. When yeah, I'm man. 15 hours in, there's something yeah. about bacon. I don't know what it is. Yeah, salt and fat. It's, it's, it's great. So uh, the Oscar Mayer has like, the pre-cooked stuff, so we don't have to do too much. It just comes in a nice little bag. Um, as gross as that may sound to people, but I'll tell you when it, you know you get late in the race, man. Everything is good. <laughs> uh, I'll throw it right in the soup. So, um, yeah. So uh, you know, I, I I do like a lot of more of uh, the real foods. Um, again, I don't eat a lot of sugars and and sweet stuff. Um, I may have like a kid's uh, Cliff Bar. Um, those uh, just to kind of change the palate a little bit, get a little bit more solid. Um, so I may do one of those every hour or two. Um, just you know, like I said, to kind of change up the palate a little bit. Um, uh, I do like a lot of the Cliff stuff, but it's mostly their kids stuff. I like the uh, the the uh, fruit roll up ones that they have, uh, the little <laughs> fruit chews. <laughs> Uh, the kids ones, those are amazing. <laughs> Strawberries, the bomb. <laughs> oh, I love that. The, the dadthlete. So shift, yeah. shifting gears just a little bit here. You have a running store and you put on, um, some local running events, the, um, MR running pains, mm-hmm. um, series of events. Tell me about the industry. What's it, what's it like, you know, having a, a footwear shop and putting on those events? What's, give me the, the inside look at, at that industry. Um, it's been a roller coaster. Obviously, we started in 2007, um, which uh, quickly followed with uh, our uh, recession. <laughs> so uh, it was a tough time to open. Um, it was, uh, you know, when we, uh, when we first opened, it was a pre-minimalistic movement. Uh, so footwear was, uh, you know, kind of, uh, traditional, uh, 12 foot or, uh, excuse me, 12 millimeter ramp shoes, uh, you know, heavy cushion, um, you know, pretty, pretty heavy weight as well. Um, and then, uh, we started transitioning into the, uh, the minimalistic movement with the, uh, born to run book, uh, which was an interesting time. Um, you know, Vibram, uh, was the, uh, the five fingers was the hot thing and we, we chose not to bring that in. Uh, we were worried about um, it creating injuries with runners um, just because people were transitioning too quickly and, and maybe not knowing how to run properly in them because, you know, uh, contrary to what they claimed, it didn't always change your form. <laughs> and I think that's why they got sued. So um, <laughs> um, we chose not to go that direction. Uh, we did do some minimalistic footwear, but um, – you know, we wanted to make sure we were selling responsibly to our clients and talking about um, making sure that if you were going this direction, you were seeking help to to learn how to uh, adapt to this footwear and, and using it properly. And um, but then came the opposite pendulum and the swing to maximalist uh, and Hoka. Um, uh, so Hoka came on and uh, you know hit it hot and heavy, and like everybody wanted uh, a Hoka um, and. Uh, we uh we we did do hoka and we still have hoka um and uh then it kind of swung the pendulum swung a bit back to the middle um and uh hoka was still there minimalism was still there but everybody kind of came back and and training shoes in general kind of got a bit lighter um so it was an interesting trend to watch uh and then we were hit by the uh the internet boom uh where everybody and 
I mean, everybody could sell a running shoe. Um, CVS, I think, had running shoes. Um, it was just everybody in the market seemed to be carrying running shoes. And it was a tough time, uh, especially in Asheville. We had uh, multiple run shops open, uh, new dicks, the outlets. Um, you know, it was just like it was everywhere. Uh, the, you know, the market became flooded. So it was a tough time for us. And that was just a few years ago. Um, so, um, you know, we continue to focus on, uh, on customer service and making sure we find the right fit for our customers and making sure that we were helping them through any problems that they may be having. Uh, so our focus continued to be on our service and making sure we were providing the best service we could. Uh, and I think that distinguished us from a lot of different people out there. Uh, so people may have tried other places and said, Hey, you know, I think Flutter X was, you know, doing it right and doing the right thing for the community. So we saw a lot of return customers uh, last year. Um, you know, things kind of took an upswing. We had a good year. Um, you know, we could hope, continue to hope to do so. Uh, and just, you know, obviously we're just thankful and blessed for being able to, to serve the community, being part of the community. Um, the the events that I put on kind of uh, flow into that. You know, I, I, I always want to make sure that I'm giving back uh, and doing things for the community. And that's what my events are about. Um, you know, I, I, I don't hope to make a dime, honestly, from any of the events, uh, anybody that just did the Solly Frosty foot, you know, from the shirts, I, I spent $10,000 on shirts alone. Um, you know, like, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm really just trying to make sure that the runners have an experience, um, you know, from, like I said, from the shirts to the race, to the course, to the, uh, post-race meal. I mean, we did, um, my friend David Workman came and did, um, oven baked pizzas. You know, I, I paid for every runner to have an oven baked pizza. So it's, I'm just trying to do the little things and make sure people enjoy and then, um, uh, have a good time, you know, and, and, and kind of create community through these events. Um, you know, and, uh, we have, uh, DuPont next weekend, DuPont yet or not. And, uh, you know, same thing, uh, we're doing, uh, finish line soup, you know, and we uh, we created uh, Boko hats for the race and aluminum bottles for the finishers awards. I just, you know, like I said, I'm just trying to make things useful and 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 fun and let the runners really enjoy themselves as it should be. Uh, you know, I, I don't want a big commercial event. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to blast music with the DJ and um, you know, I, like you know, I'm not trying to put sponsors in everybody's faces and and all that stuff. I, I really, it's about the trails, you know, and um, and giving back. I mean, like, you know, I, I gave to Sorba through Solly and I gave to, um, the rescue squad out there and, and DuPont will go back to the forest itself. I mean, it's, it's all about, you know, giving back to, to the community, to the runners, to those that support the community. So, um, that's what the events are about. And I hope people see that. And that's the same thing with the store. Uh, we're really just there to serve, you know? Um, I, I, I mean, I, I really hope people walk in and feel welcome uh, feel like they they got customer service really you know they they were cared for and and that we care about them and for them um so it's just uh, you know i want continuity uh through, through the store through the events i want that same message um that you know that's uh that you know we we love everybody <laughs> we love just being a part of this uh that you know well i can speak firsthand i have competed in some mr 
running pains events and uh my wife is getting ready to do the uh the one in dupont coming up here in a week i'm gonna be out of town so so she'll be on her own with that one but we have always had a great time definitely we had the oven baked uh pizzas at rooster's revenge nice um if someone wants to participate, they're in Asheville or one of your events, check out your – do you have a URL where people can go access yeah, that? Yep, mrrunningpains.com. Yep, okay. uh, that, that's where all the events are at, um, you know, and um, uh, the, uh, um, the DuPont sold out right now. Um, Fontana Dengo out at Fontana Village will be March 2nd. Um, and then, uh, you know, our, our – uh, uh, well, my nonprofit, the Run 828 Foundation, we have the uh, the trail running club, the North Carolina Mountain Trail Runners. We put on the uh, the Hellbender 100, which is uh, April 12th. Um, and, uh, you know, if you want to come out and just experience what it's like in a 100 miler, not necessarily running it, but volunteering for it, you know, that's that's another way to kind of learn about ultras. Um, we always need volunteers um, in any of the events, uh, it's a good way to, to see what it's like and what these runners are going through and experience the event itself, uh, without actually running it. Uh, you'll, you'll learn a lot just by, by, um, by being at an aid station or, uh, you know, being a marshal at a crossing, you'll see these runners and it's not only is it motivating, but you'll, you'll, you'll get to see a lot and learn a lot. So, uh, and, and obviously we certainly appreciate all the volunteers that help out, uh, you know, these races could not happen without them. So oh, there is no doubt. So big race of the year, big goal coming up for Aaron Saf this year, UTMB. I know you're not super big on social media, but is there a place we can follow your adventure? If you're listening to this show, is there a place that we can, when we lead up to that event later this year? I'm on Facebook. So Aaron Saft, Facebook. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I post on there. I'm sure, um, I'll, I'll be posting about the, the various races I do. Um, like I said, I'm on Strava, Aaron Saft. Uh, you can follow me on Strava, um, see my training, uh, ask questions. Uh, and, you know, you can always, always email me. Um, I've, I've, uh, I've been coaching. I've got like 20, 20 something athletes right now. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, I, I love that aspect of it. So, um, but you know, if anybody ever has questions, feel free to email me, uh, running pains at gmail.com. Uh, I love, you know, love hearing from people and love answering questions. Uh, you can message me on Facebook. Uh, so don't hesitate to reach out. Well, Aaron, thanks for t uh, sharing your story here on the hammer factor. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we can conclude this interview? Just appreciate the time, John, and all you're doing for our community. Um, look forward to seeing what crazy adventures we have uh, in store for us in the future. And yeah, uh, <laughs> appreciate it, buddy. Thank you, sir. Yeah, we'll see you on the trail soon. Yes, sir.